Hello, everyone. This is Carl from Gorgatron, and I'm coming at you with a new episode of the Audio Combat Podcast. My guest is going to be Kellum Barda. Now, Kellum Barda is a bartender and a good friend of mine. He's a very intelligent human being. He's done some uh, teaching. He's played some poker. He's driven some cars. He's done a lot of things and wears a lot of hats. We will not be talking about the band U2, so don't worry. A couple things. In April, we're going to go on tour with our homies in Mall. We're going to go to the West Coast, the Midwest Coast, the Coast West of the Mid, and it's going to be great. May 6th is a Saturday. Come out to the Aquarium in Fargo, North Dakota for Mateo Fest. Our drummer, Mateo Janssen, is moving to New York City to pursue his lifelong dream of being a massage therapist. So come out and see Zero Place, Triple Deke, a surprise band, Rottenness, and Gorgatron. It'll be a great time, and I assure you, you're going to see some feats of athletic um, you know, performance, athletic performance. You're going to see some, some sweat, some sweat, some sweaty dudes. So after that, in June and July, we'll be in Europe. Can you believe that? It's going to be sick. We're going to do all sorts of things there. You can check all our socials. You can search Gorgatron in every uh, search bar you want, and you'll find information about all of those things. All I know is that we're playing Obscene Extreme Fest in the Czech Republic, and I am super jacked about that. Uh, we also have some new merch dropping soon as fuck. So go to gorgatronband.com for all your Gorgatron-related needs. Go to gorgatronband.com slash merch if you want to get some merch. So here is my conversation with the one and only Kellum Bart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Audio Combat Podcast. I am Carl from Gorgatron. It's been a while since I've done this. I haven't. Uh, I don't really like doing podcasts over the phone, so I try to get live guests. But that's you know kind of hard when people don't live in town. So today my guest is Kellum Barda. Hello, I'm Kellum Barda. Uh, so what 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 do you want to introduce yourself as? Just Kellum. Kellum's good. Katie. I mean, I mean, what 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 you know? You oh, what am I? Who am I? You are a, a professor. At NDSU. Yeah, so I'm a, not a professor because that's technically a title you only get if you're a PhD. But I've I've been a part-time lecturer for there for about eight years. I'm developing linguistics courses for this year. I teach li- English and linguistics and writing, and uh, you know, bartend. And as of Monday, I'll be the new trivia guy. And also, I'm a mentor for children professionally. So as you can see, Callum has a you know a lot different job than I do. Yeah, I'm just a I'm just a, a band dude. <coughs> but uh all right, well let's talk about this for a second. So when I met you uh bartending, you you taught a class called business writing, is that correct? Yeah, business and professional writing. What what does that entail? Um so it's doing a lot of like specific genres that a professional might write and create. A resume, so like job-seeking documents, resume, cover letters, and then things like memos that are arguably sort of obsolete, and we talk about that in the class. And then business proposals. The final project I had them do is like they tell me what they want to write. So I had people who designed the most ideal and efficient hospital, and that was their final document, stuff like that. That's pretty rad. It's The idea is sort of just to like basically be able to communicate on paper at your job across sure. a number of different fields. Absolutely. So did a lot of people t- 
take a lot of time with their uh, hospital layouts for efficiency and everything like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the assignments are pretty good. Like, I thought they were good. It was a good semester. I got good feedback from the kids. I've taught that one a lot. Since I started teaching, business and professional writing is the upper division version uh, out of the two writing classes you have to take first year, upper division. And so a lot of people are required to take this class across uh, engineers, ag people, people in accounting, just lots of different majors. And this is definitely not a course that people generally look forward to. Sure. So you can help me then because I need to write copious letters to record labels and talent buyers across the world. Yes. Perhaps you can give me a hand with that. I 100% can help you with that. I'd be happy to. So right now <laughs> on the air, let's let's start this business proposal. How okay. do I sell my band to people that I don't know? In writing. Uh, in writing? In writing, yeah. So that, what you're talking about, isn't my specific area of expertise. You Today to, it is. I would, I would. Um, my first piece of advice would be to find like a communications or marketing person because all of that kind of communication and educating, so to speak, educating the customer about your product is done digitally through whatever the most salient social media is right now, which I'm 41, so it's, I don't use TikTok, but that's probably what you'd want to do. Sure. And what what's the content, or what do you want to write? I so, want I want people that have never heard a minute of recorded music of my band to be sold on my band, but just by writing, just by like okay. So I, I was gonna say a TikTok again, make a make a thirty second TikTok. But so if you're talking about a written document, that's the easy way, Callum. It would be about We're going design. old school. Like so, what's the so what I would ask my students is like, what's the means of transition? How do you imagine someone's coming across this document or this writing? On a piece of paper, in an email, on Facebook post. Sure. So, so which which is it? So if you ask me, the answer Ooh. is. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Random spam email. Random spam email. You're not gonna want to say much because people aren't gonna read much. You're probably gonna want to have more visual involved in it, and some kind of incentive. So like, think of like what spam emails do you respond to? Uh, and for me, it's not very many. Buy one, get one free coupons. Yeah, maybe if there was like, well, it's 50% off takeout. Maybe it's a day I'm going to get takeout. Okay, fine. I'll I'll bite on this spam from Grubhub or whatever. Okay, so what you're saying is we have to start strong with, hey, we are Gorgatron from Fargo, North Dakota, and boy, do we love giving discounts on breadsticks. If you order this new Gorgatron record, get a free order of cheesy breadsticks. Half off. Basically, Wait. selling out is pro yes is probably the quickest way to acquire a customer. Okay, but, but again, that's not really my field, so I don't think writing. I think you can help me. I don't. I, <laughs> I, I'm happy to, but I think writing isn't what you're looking for here. I think it's multimedia, visual, audio, TikTok, Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I I know that. I'm just oh, okay. you know, it's a good bit. If you were gonna write something down, you'd okay. So you'd do it. Maybe let's make a poster for NDSU to just hammer onto a post <laughs> sure what would that look like or say you mean and if ndsu was trying to push gorgatron yeah like no but you could do this like you I can mean, go up could. there and get permission to post ads for your band and the question is so like what would draw people in oh this is god damn it maybe a lyric or something this. no go ahead you can you oh talk well, about that if you want well i mean we can go back to literary topics but um <laughs> So one of the things, all right, you know, we might as well segue to this. One of the things that I want to talk to Callum about is the movie Rounders. Yeah. <laughs> because Callum here <laughs> used to make a bunch of money playing poker. A decent amount, yeah. A I decent amount. Work. 
and I just saw this movie. So you had told me about this movie a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago or something like that. Yes. And y- you described it pretty well, but, you know, we were at work, so I'm sure I was distracted or yeah. thinking about, you know, getting someone a fucking side of ranch for yeah. their, you yeah. know, yeah. 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 Bud I, Light I, cheeseburger. I vaguely problem. remember talking about it. And I think you even told me that John Malkovich was in this movie. But then it popped, you know, but then Big Brother struck and uh, the movie Rounders popped up on my phone and it said, you know, John Malkovich plays this Russian villain. And I'm like, well, now I have to see this movie. So I watched it that day and I messaged you about it. Yes. I think I think that was also the same conversation that I said we should probably do a podcast. Yes. But anyway, so we talked about the movie Rounders. So, uh upon first watch fresh eyes i tried to n- I, I don't think i took any breaks i i i purposely put my phone in a unreachable position uh it's a it's a great movie uh i understand so much more about you Callum, <laughs> because you are matt damon's character i've i've seen i think you you stole some character bits in fact for those of you listening right now uh Kellum put on the exact same clothes that Matt Damon is wearing in this scene. <laughs> and he was uh Kellum was also not wearing sunglasses and he put those on to start talking. That I'm gonna this happened. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a it's a character bit. <laughs> I I caught that right away. See, these are the things we talk about on this podcast, Callum. I like it. Yeah. So what else did you want to what do you want to talk about rounders? Because we could do a whole hour on this. We could, I mean, specifically just the fact that you are Matt Damon's character. <laughs> what, what, do you, what is his name in this movie? De- Mike McDermott. Mike McDermott. Yeah, you, <laughs> you are definitely Mike McDermott. He's a lawyer, or he's well, he's not a lawyer. He's a law student. Uh, particular. Okay, here's particularly why the scene where he is is calling the 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 shots in this poker game for his new boss. Yeah, the the, ju- the judges game. Yeah, the judges game. Yeah, yeah when he impresses them. Yeah. You. I have seen you do that to people before. <laughs> I've seen it in live, like live action. I've seen it. Like, what do you mean? I've I've seen you, <laughs> you know, maybe walk into a situation that someone's doing something and immediately have a smarter and more efficient and successful way of doing that thing. And oh, okay, you're not talking about a poker game, though. Not a literal poker game, okay. no. Even though you used to work poker nights at the turf, which are laughable at best. Well, that's a whole different kind of game. For, as far as what the incentives are, you know. But, yeah, so I played poker online for a living for two and a half years successfully, meaning I didn't have another job and I was able to pay my rent and stuff. And that was right after this movie came out. And when I first started playing, though, I was bad. So, like, I don't know if you want to get into this, but the poker boom, I feel like, was part of this topic. So Yeah, yeah, here's get, get here, into it. Here's what the poker boom was, okay? In about 2002 or three ish um, this movie had been out for four or five years, Rounders, and people had seen it, and hence they were exposed to the game of Texas Hold'em, which was new to me as well, even though I'd been taught a lot of poker games as a little kid by my grandma, who ironically left her husband for being a compulsive gambler. <laughs> so it was weird <laughs> that she made that choice. Absolutely. But So I, you know, I got Hold'em from this movie, and like everyone else, just started playing it and thought I was awesome, like the guy in the movie didn't have any idea what I was doing. And then... Um, a guy named Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker. So this is true story. He was an accountant, not a professional poker player, and his last name was Effing Moneymaker. <laughs> and you can't make that shit up. And so, so like a regular, average person won the World Series of Poker when this movie was in their mind, 
And that's right when the internet poker boom hit. So everybody was logging in and playing Texas Hold'em online for real money with very little experience. <laughs> and once I learned how to actually play by reading books and playing a lot of hands, it was so easy to make money. Not like a huge amount of money, but enough to more than I would have made working at the hotel. Absolutely. So the interesting thing about that is I remember in college there was the that – w- that would have been around the years where I was – around people playing poker um and i remember the first time somebody said hey do you know how to play poker and i was like well yeah i've been playing poker since i was a kid and i was you know i was about five card draw or seven card stud you know shit like that and you know everyone's like oh we play texas hold'em i'm like oh hold'em okay and i you know i just i knew how to play hold'em like yeah i I know how to play omaha hold'em and all that when did you learn hold'em boy that was a long time ago i used to have uh this old ass computer had one game and it was like a card games you know i had a bunch of part card games and i would sit as a kid and play all kinds of different card games what year what year was this oh ah man i'm not real good give or take like a five-year range probably early 2000s okay so this that that's right in the time in the time period i'm talking about yeah so i sat and played all sorts of different kinds of poker and i really liked it because it's a you know it's a numbers game but you know it's all electronic but i started playing in real life and that's a whole nother whole nother deal yeah but it was interesting because I was wondering why everyone all of a sudden was interested in poker. Because I was like, I mean, I've been playing poker for a long time. And, yeah. But I haven't played competitive poker. I think I've only done one one time playing com- competitive poker for real-ass money. Really? That's funny. I've st- I was playing for money when I was definitely like 13 or 14. Which probably wasn't a good thing, but I did it, and I learned how to play. <laughs> I mean, there's worse things a 13- or 14-year-old could be doing than playing poker for money. <laughs> we used to, Yeah, we used to play poker and blackjack for money. Like siblings, like holidays. Absolutely. A couple friends over. Pretty, like, I don't know, probably younger than most. Maybe not. I was 14 or 15. I played with older people, but I was better than them at that time too sure absolutely it's just some certain basic odds things like you're playing a game like in between yeah you know in between so it's just literally there's two cards and then you guess if the next card's going to be in between you bet x amount and if you lose you have to put that amount in but if you win you take that amount out of the pot and sure. as the pot grows like when people lose it can get ridiculously big yeah and um Simply, all you really need to do is wait for the biggest possible interval to come two king or two ace and then bet everything Okay. What? And that's kind of how poker is, too. You're just waiting. What what the pro does compared to the average player is you're actually waiting for a very small margin of hands that you're even going to play. Yeah. So it's just being really conservative. Kind of in 2002 was enough to make money. Sure. Um, so let's let's back up a second on the subject of this movie, Rounders and Poker, in relation to you... <laughs> And I, Callum. So we, for those of you who don't know, we work at a shitty college neighborhood bar in Fargo, North Dakota, called the Turf. It's it's grimy. It's it's full of interesting people, and it's a it's a real huge pile of shit. But it's not a dive bar though. But but goddamn it, it's a good time. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's a good time. So, anyways, there is a a poker game that takes place on Thursdays. And I absolutely fucking hate oh, yeah. the clientele that, that comes in and plays these poker games. So anytime I worked with Kellum on a couple Thursdays, I said, Kellum, can you please work front? I don't even think I told. I think I was just like, dude, work front. Like, yeah, God, I'm I always work the front. Almost always, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so 
I don't know. It was a couple of, of consecutive Thursdays that we worked. And then finally you said, God, I, I hate these poker guys. And I thought just as like a customer thing. And I was like, yeah, they're, they're pretty lame. But then you told me that you used to play pro poker. And boy, that, you know, that, that blew my mind. Okay, so it all comes back around. Because then I watched Rounders and those scenes where, you know, he's calling those hands and like oh, checking yeah, okay. the I was like, man, Kelm, you need to do this <laughs> to the people well, at the turf and just clean those guys out. It would be hilarious. I I could probably be, like, pretty cruel and do something like that. But also, <laughs> the game is just a whole different game that they're playing there. When you're playing for three hours with 15 people for a total of $20, yeah, you're, pl- you're doing something different than people who are actually trying to make an hourly living off of poker. Absolutely. It's entertainment. But the the thing that irks me is like I'm not trying to judge people, whatever. But the the le- level to which they take it seriously, yeah. as a function of how much there is at stake, is kind of hard to take seriously. Oh, absolutely. Hard not to laugh at. Yeah. Twenty dollars. Yeah. I mean, twenty dollars is a new one dollar. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, here's the thing. I think it would be super entertaining to see you annihilate those human beings <laughs> in a game of poker because they take it to the level in which it would be a huge, <laughs> like a, you know, possibly traumatizing event for them. You know, they, they, they dedicate a chunk of their lives to bar poker, man. Like yeah. think about the caliber of human we're talking about. So the thing is though, that like y- you can't just dominate a poker tournament. It's so the, the game of poker is such a long equation, kind of like investing in the stock market Yeah, that, you could, I could play my best possible poker against really amateur players and lose ten tournaments in a row, just based on the luck part only. So, like, people get confused about whether poker is gambling or not, and the answer is no. I mean, at least it affords you the ability to use skill, but still, like, eighty-five, ninety percent of it is luck. Yeah. So you're gonna, if you play a thousand hands of poker, you're gonna get this hand X amount of times, this hand X amount of times, and have these outcomes happen X amount of times. And you're playing the long game. Yeah. And getting your chips in when you have the best probabilities compared to your opponent, but that's not necessarily gonna work in the short run. Yeah. So you can't just come in and win. So no. you can, it c- you could look like an idiot and be really good, and you could look really good and be an idiot for quite a long time in poker. Until you built up the critical mass of data on your play to know if you actually know what you're doing or not. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> so how, uh, so how many times in your poker career did you? Okay. How do I ask this? So is there, is there memorable hands that you have gotten? Yeah. Yeah. And I even still have some saved. Like you could save the hand history in email. So I still uh-huh. have access to my old Hotmail account. That has, like, some actual hand histories of hands. And actually, uh, it's too bad I didn't think of this. I could have had one pulled up. Maybe maybe we'll find one later at the end or something. Because there are some funny ones. But the funniest ones of all are the, like, aren't memorable because I won big or lost big. It's because it was such a silly situation. And in one such case was, uh, so my brother, my older brother played professionally for a while and was very good and made money off of it. Right. Um, He usually had another job as well, but... We, so we were kind of both playing in a lot of the same online circles at the same time. So we would end up facing each other sometimes. <laughs> and so two 
interesting bits of this where when we were just playing each other for no good reason, like why play each other? You're always paying a VIG, right? Yeah. If you're playing on a site, there's some rake, there's some money going to the house. Absolutely. So playing against your friend, your brother, just do it in your house. Like you're not no. paying the, the house. So why we were doing that is because we were um, just obsessive about playing. Sure. Game. And one time, so like in the movie Rounders, they, they exemplify this idea of getting aces, right? A pair of pocket rockets and slow playing it. Yeah. Like, what you really want to do when you get a good good hand is slow play it, which is wrong. I mean, it's backwards. You don't yeah. slow play all the time. You don't play the opposite of your cards. You just put money in the pot yeah. when you have a good hand. So, and he and I know that, and we s- normally play aces very aggressive, but the reason the hand was funny is we both were dealt pocket aces, and we <laughs> both tried to slow play it to a <laughs> stupid amount. So it was like aces, check, just call, and then flop check check, check. <laughs> All pocket aces. which is if we saw other people doing it we'd be sitting there going stupid stupid yeah, stupid. Yeah, and we were doing it and then we both show aces at the end and split the pot and so people that's like, memorable just because it was stupid and it was funny. dumb as fuck yeah and then another time i uh oh let's see oh a specific hand well the, the biggest specific hand in my career was um, a big tournament where I bought in for 30 bucks and it was a thousand players uh-huh. and it's kind of a rebuy tournament. So if you get out in the first hour, you can pay another 30 and it just jacks up the prize money. Sure. But there's a limit to it. So I remember I used to play it every Friday night or whatever night. I can't remember the specific nights, but, um, and I would be like, I'm only paying the 30. I'm never going to rebuy. Long story short, I got very far in one of those tournaments and there were two hands that stand out. One where I went all in with two jacks. And like two or three people called, so it's a crapshoot. Yeah. And a jack, and two jacks came up on the flop, quad jacks, which oh. is hand over. That happens three times in five years, right? yeah, or ten years. Yeah. So I remember that hand, and then I remember the final hand because I won the damn tournament, and I had trip fives. And usually in the final table of a tournament, when it's for the win, when you flip your cards over. There's some suspense. Yeah. Like you have an 81% chance and the other person has a 19% chance. You just need to dar- dodge a couple cards, right? Right. This time it was over. It was 100%, 0%. No matter what two cards come out on the turn in river, I had it one. And right away, I'd been up all night. Uh-huh. It was like started at 6 p.m. It was like 6 a.m. Holy shit. A couple of my friends were still there awake. And yeah. and I was just sitting there. And then I go, well, I just went, oh, I won. And they gave me a high five. And they're like, what are you going to do now? And I was like, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> How much money did you win on that tournament? 22K, something like that, before taxes. Ended up being like 16. 22K. Yeah, out of 30 bucks. Holy shit. But that was so like, there was, to be clear, there was a lot of luck involved in that journey. Absolutely, I played good poker, but you can't just win a tournament with a thousand people without getting pretty lucky also. Yeah. Which I did. That's pretty rad. That's memorable, I guess. I don't remember a lot of other hands, honestly. They all blur together. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that. And I've played... You know, a decent amount of poker as well. I agree. Uh, going back to the movie Rounder, so a couple things I got to say about that is what do you? <clears throat> so what? What is your overall synopsis of that film? Synopsis? Um, <laughs> give me a second. The synopsis of the film that a professional, highly skilled poker player whose day job is law school mostly makes his living making money off of pretty easy underground New York <laughs> poker games. <laughs> and things are going great until he loses it all going against someone he should not have. He, he put his whole, nobody bets. That's part of the, if you want to talk about what's unrealistic in the movie, nobody takes their whole bankroll and is like, I'm just going to play this tonight. I'm just gonna it's play. a small percentage, yeah. right? So, 
So he loses it all, has to just be a law student again. Uh, and everything's going great until his bu- his crooked buddy comes out of jail. <laughs> he gets him back in a card game. His girlfriend leaves him, and now he's he's working again. He's back in it. Oh, man. I have to say, the the whole plot line of the scenes with him and his girlfriend, I'm like, God damn it's, it. Well, you know how those go, though. The studio I, says you have to put in a plot. I know, but it, God, it's bad, dude. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> it's Yeah, I mean, it's not a strong part of the movie. I mean, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this movie now. I don't consider it like a masterpiece, but it has a big part of my in my life because of you know when it came out and stuff. Absolutely, but it's got a lot of flaws. I mean, yeah, absolutely, but it it's a good watch. It's still good. I I mean, uh, Worm. What's that actor's name? Edward Norton. Nor- Edward Norton's awesome. Yeah. Matt Damon. I love Matt Damon. Yeah, absolutely. And we haven't talked about um, Malkov- Malkovich. John Malkovich. What do you have to say about Malkovich's performance? Oh my God, it's so funny, man, because. The Oreo bit, I wonder if that... Do you know that someone write that in, or was that his call? I don't know for sure, but I think that was written. Man, that, that cracked me up so hard because it's like, oh, I'm just going to take these Oreos and do different things with them. A diff- you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, that's one of the silliest... So I will have to tell you, when I w- first watched it, I was trying to remember back because I've seen this movie so many times because like I told you off air, yeah. it was one of the few VHS tapes we had in a stack in yeah. 2001 with like no internet or dial-up internet, right? So we relied on this movie, same movie over and over again. Um, the first time I saw it though, I didn't understand it because I didn't know all the poker lingo. I'd never heard sure. of Texas Hold'em and there was a lot of stuff I didn't understand. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. But subsequently, as you learn poker and play it pro- sort of professionally on a low level, there's a lot of like, oh, okay, nobody would ever do that if they were a poker player. But, you know, it's stuff you do to make movies more in, in storytelling. So Absolutely. It's, I don't, not against it. It's just, it's glaringly like nobody would play poker that way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But man, it's, hey man, it's entertaining. No, you, yeah, it's still good. I you, think it's a good movie. You get to hear John Malkovich do <laughs> whatever accent you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so this is one of those internet apocryphal stories, but the story is that um, he started doing that accent the first day of shooting, and Matt Damon was taken aback by it, <laughs> and was like, and just kind of gave him a look, and Malkovich just leaned in quietly and said, "I'm a terrible actor." <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> but no, I I love his performance. Absolutely, <laughs> give him his money. Like a Muppet. I know. I can't. Oh, what's the line? It's eluding me. Normally, I could do these lines. Um, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I don't have speeds. <laughs> yeah. Ace is fool, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, it's good shit, man. <laughs> this I'm still up twenty grand from this last time <laughs> I stick it in you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's that's good shit, man. <laughs> well, yeah. So for those of you listening, go watch Rounders. <laughs> it's only a hundred and twenty-one minutes wrong, long. It came out in nineteen ninety-eight, and if I had to describe this movie, I would say it's dramatic, emotional, intense, and also tense. <laughs> so check that out. I agree that it's both intense and tense. It is intense and tense. That's a that's a good bit right there, man. Uh, okay, Callum, we gotta cover some more shit. What do you there, got? There's so much more shit. Um, 
Man, okay, so the thing about Kellum is that, man, I, I, like, you and I uncovered, like, each other's, like, life layers in a, in a really easy pace, but it was hilarious. What I mean by that is, like, okay, I don't usually brag about things, like, I try not to, and you, you're the same way, so it's, like, how, however long I knew you before you told me that you did a fucking TED Talk was hilarious. <clears throat> Fair enough. Honestly, that isn't, like, false modesty. I just forget about it. Because it's been seven years, and like just a lot has happened <laughs> since then. Yeah, and I kind of forget about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you did a TED talk on "There's no such thing as correct English." Yes, it was. Is that that's what it was, what it was called? called? Yeah. I uh, I happened to watch that uh, br- really really quickly after you told me about it because obviously I have to watch that. And boy, that was a good time. Uh, I appreciate it that it was uh, it was quick and to the point, concise. I like that. Yes, they only gave me eight minutes, but uh, uh, it was a good eight minutes. I absolutely I enjoyed it. Yeah, I gotta say, good work. Everyone should check that out on www.kellumbartatedtalks.com. <laughs> uh, he has merch up there, t-shirts. He's got Kellumbarta logo t-shirts. Uh, you can check out his first record on Bandcamp. <laughs> Kellen Barter uh, backslash, uh, what would your solo project be called? Poor quality. So what I call my ba- my band, yeah. my house band at Pandemic Radio is poor quality. Poor and quality. It, it's not just a clever name. It's because I suck. Okay. I, hey, man, that's that's good. But most of it is me playing, singing, and playing drums and bass, and sometimes I get somebody else to play an instrument. Yeah, see, so you could take that on the road. <laughs> You'd be a great front man. But hey, guys. Poor Quality is the band. That's the oh. band name. Hey, we're, uh, my name is uh, Kellen Bard. We are Poor Quality from Fargo, North Dakota. That's just me. Here's the next tune. And so, <laughs> so hold on. What's the name of this podcast? The Audio Combat So podcast. for those, some people are listening to Audio Combat Podcast, the Audio Combat Podcast, and some people are listening to this on Pandemic Radio. Pandemic Radio, and absolutely. And so for those listening on the podcast thepandemicradio.org right now shows every Sunday night. Um, it's not that d- different than this podcast that we're doing right now, except that we play music a lot and put things into categories and try to decide why this music goes into a category, and it's fun. Oh, yeah. So <coughs> I caught <coughs> excuse me, I caught an episode of Pandemic Radio a couple weeks ago, and the bit was you and your brother were selling each other on different songs. Oh, yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that bit just because <laughs> of the way that you guys started that with would you buy this <laughs> this tune, you know. So at some point, I'm going to sell you on Gorgatron. Okay. But uh, now is not that time. But we're going to do that. Uh, that, you know, speaking of which, what's funny is that if you look at the surface of us, l- let's go back to you and I working at the shitty yeah, bar. Go ahead. So we have we have Kellum, who's basically uh, Ned Flanders of the turf. That's accurate. He he dresses. And he's not as he's not as fundamental Christian as Ned Flanders, but uh, you know, same kind of vibe. <laughs> and then you got me, just a dirty, fucking, gross, filthy scumbag band dude. And turns out that we have uh, similar music tastes at 
in some uh, for sure. what's the word of when things uh when things cross paths or you know intersection maybe i i don't know i'm thinking about a mathematical term but i don't i don't remember i've had too many delicious Ooh. drinks well the t- the confluence or the tangent the tangent the tangent is yeah where they connect yeah, so the tangent of Callum and I's uh, musical uh, bullshit is, uh, you know, soft. Oh, soft, yeah. You know, soft. R- Radiohead and Rainbows. That's what we figured out. Is the, yeah, the, in Rainbows. Is the exact confluence of, or intersection point. Man, tangent. oh, I think. So you you sent me that. I got to tell you this. So you sent me that link of that article that was praising Radiohead's first record. Yep. And God, Pablo f- Honey. God fucking damn it. I hate that record. <laughs> Well, that's why I sent it to you because I knew you I, would disagree. I know, I know. And then I went to work that day in the warehouse. Dude is like, you know, I've never really gotten into Radiohead. And then he said he saw something about Pablo Honey. I'm like, dude, fuck off. I got so mad. I'm like, dude, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to that record. What is What is your opinion about it? I I only can think of Creep and then like I just remember it being a straightforward like 90s rock album. Yeah. Which I didn't dislike, but I understand why like what their identity became was something so far beyond that. Yeah. That's sort of silly to say like that would be an exemplar of their work. I yeah, absolutely. And not only that, I just ah, I don't <laughs> I just don't like it, man. It's not <laughs> it's not good, man, compared to the other record. But here's the thing as well. I should mention is that uh, the first Radiohead record I listened to was Kid A, so gotcha. To and, go- and you liked it, absolutely. Okay, so like, that oh. was who you, who Radiohead was to you was maybe one of their most extreme. Yeah, absolutely. Variation, yeah, absolutely, and that's why. Uh, uh, f- okay, let's let's slow down. So that's why <laughs> I really liked Amnesiac, uh, and I really liked In Rainbows and uh, uh, King of All Limbs. Uh, however, I really like the the Ben's record. So it should be noted here that I'm I'm not uh, a deep Radiohead listener. I'm like a hits plus one layer. Hits, okay, okay. Like so, I'm not that. I can't claim credibility for like Radiohead fandom. But there's it's one of those things where they have a couple handfuls of songs that are really really good. Yeah, absolutely. And why I haven't explored all their albums, I don't know. There's a lot of music out there. Yeah. But I'm also not an expert. But yeah, so some of the stuff that I like on In Rainbow In Rainbows isn't like a very radical record. No. They just have they just developed in their rhythm section, I think, into really cool. Oh yeah. And more complicated than like what just rock is, I guess. Absolutely. Which is what Pablo Honey is, right? Backbeat boom. Ah. <sighs> I mean, I don't know. I knew. I, I guess I bummed you out quite a bit by sending you that story. Well, no, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't bum me out. I just, I just really don't like that record. But uh, okay, let's set the record straight. I'm also not an expert. I've just listened to this band a whole lot. I think you know a lot more Radiohead than I do, probably. I mean, probably, but I, yeah, I'm not an expert. The, that's one of those bands that the fandom can go like super hard. Like you. There's there's yeah. hard radio like a cult band. band. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair. That's interesting. I dead air, dead air. I'm just thinking about Radiohead now. That's all right. Let's uh let's talk about that uh that what your favorite band. No, y- you too. Well, no, <laughs> a different. There was another favorite. Wilco. Band. Wilco. Yeah, you're a huge <laughs> Wilco fan. Yeah. I spent some time with Wilco. Uh, 
you know, in high school and college, uh, and you do really like YouTube. I mean, there's a whole big YouTube can that we could open right but now. We're not going to do that today. We're not going to do that today. No, because that's a whole. That's a whole. By, can. by the way, if you're interested, which would be extremely unlikely, probably, but <laughs> if you go, to, if you go to thepandemicradio.org right now, the YouTube special episode is posted on demand. So if you want to listen to me play you two and talk about it for two hours boy it's your lucky day (laughs) (laughs) do i have the listening experience for you hi i'm callum barda host of pandemic radio hear me talk about this band you two that sounds fantastic i just imagine someone in their car like listening to this on the radio like wow that is exactly what i need and then someone planning to be in their car on Sundays at eight, like <laughs> driving around, we're waiting for it. Yeah, absolutely. I usually do a YouTube special every year. Will I again this year? Probably. Man, you know, you you talk to me a lot about this band and what this band means to you, and I respect it so hard. Like, <laughs> and we will dissect that in the future. But I have to say that my <laughs> experience with you two was. Uh, what the fuck is that record? Was where it the th- one that came onto your device? No, god damn it. Oh, I that's gave, what everybody brings up. I gave that, like, dude, obviously I'm a person that's like, all right, well, I woke up with a YouTube record on my phone. I gave it a listen because, like. You did? Oh, man. Well, yeah, come on, man. I, I fucking, it was a, it was free music. I'm like, sure. I'll check it out. It wasn't your bag. Well, no. Uh, I think I got through oh, maybe half of the second song before I that's turned it That's not bad. Um, the reason is because I was going to say I had that record. W- uh, th- they're standing in the airport on the cover. All that you can't leave behind. Yeah, that's the one I had when I was a kid. And I was like, ah, you know, I like the hits, but I, d- I didn't really like any of the deep cuts. Sure. So that's why I gave that, you know, record that came on the phone a spin. And I'm like, ah, yeah, not not digging it. But oh. I saw that. That guitar was it Guitar World or some shit DVD? It might get loud. Yeah, the documentary it might get loud. Yeah, dude, that that completely ruined that band for me, man. <laughs> Why? I just, ugh, that guitar player sucks. Well, man. here's the thing. He does what he does is simple, but what his craft is is like the effect pedals, like combinations of effect pedals. He's an effects pedal guy. Yeah, I know, man. And I, but I also understand why you would be disinterested in that. <laughs> yeah, I like I like people that can, fu- you know, that have picking hands. And sure, shit. more technical skills. Yeah, absolutely. But he also does have technical skills. That's the thing. We'll have to do this on a, like, maybe we'll do a two-hour show where we do the sell it to me and you'll do Gorgatron and I'll do you 2 or something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. we can go deeper, but yeah, we don't yeah, need we, to litigate it all. Yeah, we can. We, that's a good idea. I would actually. love to do that. That would be hilarious. And then I'll sell you on I, YouTube. Because I think I can do it. Like, okay. not that you're going to start listening to YouTube every day, but you'll kind of be like, all right, that's kind of cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, no, think no, I, I think I can get you to buy that. Okay, okay. That you 2 is, all right, they're kind of doing, they're doing some art, like some decent art. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know what? I like contests like this, particularly involving things that I I talk shit about. Yes, it's fun. <laughs> no one does this to me either. And so I have to tell you, like, I'm not really in. So Gorgatron genre death metal. Yeah. I'm not into that kind of music at all. Absolutely not. But I do fully intend to see a show at one point. Oh, uh, hey, May sixth. That might work. Hold on, I'm gonna write it down right it's now. It's a Saturday. Here, let's take a promo break. 
Uh, Gorgatron in April is going on tour with Maul, homies of ours. That's going to be West Coast and a couple select Midwest dates. Uh, and then after that, May 6th is Mateo Fest at the Aquarium in Fargo, North Dakota. Our drummer, Matt, is moving to New York City. So that means the band is completely dissolving. No, I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. Was, I was, I, did you I, see I, me? I was like, I, wait, yeah, yeah. Is this an I didn't mean to psych anyone out. Yeah. No, we're just, uh, we just have to be selectful in, in scheduling and things. You know, that's how that works. Um, so he'll fly in and then we'll get copious Thai food and then we'll start practicing and then we'll go on the road. So May 6th is the last time you can catch Gorgatron, Rottenness, Triple Deke, Zero Place. Four bands. Isn't that the funny? That's the meme. The meme about one drummer taking out so many local bands. That's literally happening now. Matt is moving and and all four of these bands are, are forced to change the way that they do business. It's great. <clears throat> no, thank thank God for the use of uh, things like this, mobile devices, mobile recording. So we'll do uh, tours only after that. Gorgatron will be at a couple cool places this summer, June and July. Confirmed. We are on Obscene Extreme. Isn't that amazing? Check that out, Czech Republic. Ah. <sighs> Never thought it would happen. Anyways, so we got a couple other cool things going on, and uh, you'll have to see that. Oh, new merch will be uploaded shortly. We'll check that out uh, as soon as we can. Here's the deal. What's up? It's uh, 728. So the Pandemic Radio, which we're going to go live after this, which people listening to the podcast, it'll already have happened. Sure. And probably be, be on demand. At the pandemicradio.org. Sure. But for right now, it's seven. It's approaching 7.30 and we're going live at 8. Yeah. What's our time frame? How much time do we got? Because I, well, I want to ask you a few questions. Okay. Uh, let's do that. Okay, some time? On. Okay, let's do that. So I have an alarm set for 7.45 and it's 7.30. So we have some time. Let's rapid fire these out. And then we'll order pizza and then we'll go live. Perfect. Okay, so where does your music taste come from? Um, and just speaking generally so what i know about you is that you're you sing and in a death metal band you're vocalist you play bass in another band i don't know do you play drums in some band how many bands are you in i'm in two bands gorgatron and rottenness and i play guitar vocals and bass right vocals and, and guitar. bass and guitar when i need to that's an interesting thing but whatever Go but on. i also know that you're interested in a lot of other kinds of music yes as far as listening to absolutely and so what what's the basis where does that where do your tastes come from what can you put them in a category broadly uh sure well okay what do you care about when you listen to music okay so what i care about when i listen to music is i care about full bands uh playing real instruments um i i like electronic music but here's my opinion on that i think you have to be extremely creative in the electronic world and i think a lot of people fuck that up to be honest uh yeah, so don't overcomplicate things in that realm. Anyways, so um, I also appreciate uh, things that are just weird and, and things I don't hear every day and things that are unique. So, for example, there's a lot of bands I like that stylistically they aren't my thing, but God damn it, they do it so well. You know what I mean? They do it so well, it's 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 great. 
So I listen to a lot of a lot of everything, and everyone is surprised because oh, you're in the death metal band. That means that means all you listen to is metal, right? And it's like no, I don't listen to death metal a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know. So but, what was the first time you can remember liking some kind of popular music as opposed to like cla- well, no, it could be classical too. Any, what's your first? Like, this is great music experience as a tiny kid. As a tiny kid? Oh, man. I would have to say, obviously, because of the radio, probably the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest about that. Because when you're a kid, you don't have a lot of access. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't fucking know about that, right? You know what? This is a good a good thing to say, because at the time, I didn't realize how funny this was. But, like, as an adult, I think it's funny. So, obviously, I had, like, Backstreet Boys CDs that, like, my sister had. And I was just like, ah, whatever. It's music. Because I like music, you yeah. know? So, I wanted to listen to music. Of course. So I listened to that, and then I remember one day we were watching some stupid award show that my my sister wanted to watch, and it was like best hard rock performance, right? Like, how, what a stupid thing to watch as a kid, whatever. Yeah. But then, like, it was like Kid Rock's "Ba with the Ba" came on, dude, and you know, there's people head banging a guitar. I'm like, dude, what was that? And my my sister was like, oh, you know, I think they do that with like their guitars. I'm like, dude, that was so cool. And like my <laughs> sister, and my mom both kind of had like, a, oh, oh no, oh, oh no, like they saw it, they saw they saw like the the fucking kid in me, like, whoa. <laughs> And they're like, oh, no. And sure as shit, look at me now. <laughs> a wannabe fucking rock star touring musician. What was your first concert, best concert? First concert, best concert. Um, okay, so first concert, best concert actually gets into a, a category because uh, it was Anthrax and Rob Zombie. All right. So imagine as a kid, I you know I've you know I've been to pop shows whatever, not really anything big, and I see those two bands like fucking Anthrax, and they played a bunch of shit off Persistence of Time, and then Rob Zombie came out, and he man, you might not like that kind of music, but goddamn, he's he's good at what he does. Yeah, and he played some White Zombie tunes, and it was fucking cool as shit, man. And I'll never forget that because I was like 17 years old. Like, this is the coolest thing ever, dude. Yeah. I remember watching Frank Bello play bass for Anthrax. Like, God damn it. And at that time, he, uh, Rob Zombie had this dude named John Five playing guitar. And boy, he ripped. Uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. That pretty much was like, yeah, I really like heavy, loud music. It's sick. So was it, hold on. To be clear, was that one bill? That was your first and your best concert? Or yes. Was, you, your first concert was your best concert. Well, I went to a couple shows before, but I didn't give a shit about them. What's a concert that you've been to that someone who knew you as the the vocalist in Gorgatron only would be surprised that you went to see? Oh, I ha- I got this. Uh, I went to the aquarium one time, and I went to s- uh, see a band called Man Man. Okay. Have you heard of this band? No. So Man Man is this, oh boy, I don't know how to describe them. They're, it's a piano player. Uh, when I saw them, it was a drummer. A, a tuba player, I think, and a saxophone player. And I think there's maybe another percussionist. But the dude who plays piano sings, and he uses a lot of interesting chord progressions and vocal patterns. And I, it's it's and it's a super energetic live show. Like, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I remember I walked in there, and every single person that I knew in this city that was there was like, oh, what are you doing here, man? <laughs> you know, because everyone's like, you know, we're in – I, you know, wearing flannels and jeans and shit. Sure. And here I am with like a fucking suffocation yeah, t-shirt right. and shit. <laughs> and it was hilarious. 
Okay. What was the first? Let's see. Did you ever have CDs? Absolutely. What was your first CD? Backstreet Boys Millennium. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. <laughs> uh, let's see. What came after CDs? iPod? Your first download? What kind of music were you into? Or do, okay. Well, do we talk about music pirating on this? podcast or yeah well, yeah okay. absolutely let's do it what did you <laughs> in the era of pirating what kind of music did you pirate oh man i pirated a bunch of music dude uh the <laughs> one of the biggest pirating things that got and actually that got me into music was mashuga mashuga is my all-time fucking favorite band uh i man i hate to admit that if they if if mashuga was listening to this <laughs> if mashuga is listening to this, sorry dude i was a kid i've bought all your shit Fuck you, Mashuga. I've given you so much of my money. Man, I'm going to get mad at Mashuga on a podcast. Like, dude, I have their album cover tattooed on my throat. But Would it be funnier if they heard this via thepandemicradio.org? And not, <laughs> not the Mashuga's listening to Pandemic Radio <laughs> on a Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good bit right there. Oh, man. What uh you got any more? Uh, no, I was gonna say ask just say you mentioned it's seven thirty five. You mentioned that you wanted to talk about linguistics. Potentially. Oh did you have anything in mind? Yeah, okay. So the thing about that is I remember asking you one time, um, because I think you asked me about the process and like writing death metal lyrics and like oh, yes, it yes, was yes, like yes, more yes. of a rhythmic thing and it, you know, I was like, yes, it's a rhythmic thing, and then after that, I think of like a lyrical theme. And I, I think, I think you and I talked about yeah. like uh, using multisyllabic words. Yes. You know, it's advantageous to do that. Yes. Uh, so one time I asked you to to make death metal lyrics. Yes. Because I knew you'd be into that. Yes. So yes, and I do have some death metal lyrics on my phone in my notes right now, but most of it I think I talked to you, and we were discussing what what is death metal enough and what's not. Do you have, do you have your phone? Yeah. Get it out. You want me to find it? Absolutely. I will in a second. Um, but I wanted to say th- the thing you kept asking about is what's a multisyllabic word for this or that, or just like, hey, what are some good multisyllabic words? And clearly, when I looked at death metal lyrics samples, they the genre likes multisyllabic words. So what they're doing, so where this crosses with linguistics, what they're doing is they're they're Latin words. Oh, yeah. They're coming they all come from a Latin background. Pretty much any multisyllabic word or multisyllabic words are much, much more likely to have come from Latin, whether via French or Spanish or some other, you know, progeny of Latin. Yeah. Death metal likes Latin. It does. What what do you make of that? What do I make of that? Well, uh, where does that come from? Well, that that comes from, uh, okay. I am so frigged up. I am uh, full of chemicals right now. I'm not going to mention what on air, but I'm sure you guys can figure it out. Uh, so what do we, t- oh, Latin. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you make of, why does death metal like Latin? I think it's, you know, I don't know about that because you'd think that, I think it's because if you start saying simple ass sentences, like, you know, kill you hard or, you know, stab you in the throat, mm-hmm. throw you off, you know, I don't know, fucking, you know, that sounds different in the death metal world if he said, like, you know, indistinguishable. Right, but the question is why? Because these, like, the amount of like, how much you like the way a certain word sounds is always attached to some social factor. Yeah. N- inexplicably. Or, uh, sorry, uh, 
not inexplicably without exception is what i was trying to say oh and, okay oh yeah, yeah and so why does death metal like latin i'm just throwing the same question back at you but I, <laughs> they could just so I, I think a lot of this goes to the identity of the content of the music well like, so like it's a, it's a dark dark themes right well, yeah, but like I said, if you say simple-ass shit like, you know, pump it up or something, you know, like, that doesn't sound as... Kill the bastard? Yeah, you know, that doesn't sound as cool as, like, talking about the inner psyches of your brain and, like, metamorphosis and shit, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I know where this... I have, like, a hypothesis. I think the idea of sort of the content of the themes of the lyrics tended to be more what you might consider, like, crude. Yeah, okay. But when you match that with a very prestigious-sounding multi-syllabic latin vocabulary it's an interesting juxtaposition combination like it makes something novel that didn't exist before and then okay. it became a genre that's my hypothesis what okay. do you think i boy i i don't know man i i guess i never thought about it that way you know i've always kind of thought of particularly harsh death metal and extreme death metal has kind of been that thing where you know you're making a positive out of a negative, you know, like the loud, you know, that might not, the music might not appeal to everyone, but yeah, sure, sure. But it's like, it seems to be negative energy, but no, it's really positive. I don't know if that makes sense. That does make sense. So it's like perceived this one way. Yeah. But, but it's not like bad or dark necessarily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It can just be grisly and sort of like, I don't know. I don't know death metal lyrics, but yeah, no, you're exactly right about that. You know, it's, uh, some of the stuff that, uh, you know, some of the stuff you hear in death metal lyrics is really, you know, gross and, you know, atrocious and, you know, perverted and all that stuff. I just kind of like to make things that are, are really cool concepts. And I, I try to relate them, actually. Uh, I try to try to disguise certain themes as other things, if you will, you know, because pathogenic automation, that record is pretty much all about turning people into robots like. Mm hmm. Uh, through a disease, kind of, you know, <laughs> like it's okay. A, so that's why it's called pathogenic automation. And this is meant to reflect so social things going on. Yes. It, okay, I'm just making sure I'm following you. So after that, um, so okay, so let's talk about this. So the new record, I can talk about this. Yeah, is, perfect. Is coming out in this year. Uh, I can't say much about it, but all I'm saying is that th so this lyrical theme. I was per, per, particularly pissed off when I was writing these lyrics. And I would say in the music too, like in the in the riffs and the, and how the music sounds, I think we're all pretty mad. And it, it, it kind of, it has a really dark feel, if you know what I mean. Is there something to the idea that some kinds of music need to be made with like a lot of energy and aggressive force? Absolutely. Yeah. Talk Without about that. Like. Well, so that's the thing about like I don't think have you ever seen a death metal band live? No. Okay. I man, if you don't see live death metal and get death metal, you're not gonna I got get it. it. I'm out on the whiteboard, May sixth. You sh okay, I strong man. I'll be in town. I would be honored if I gave you your first death metal experience. God damn it, that would make me feel good. That makes me it's feel good the, as a human. I have to say this. I'll I've said this a lot, but you know, I. Ha I tell a lot of people this, but, you know, just being in a band and playing live, it's so crazy because people don't understand how cool it is to share your craft with other humans on that level and, like, how, like, like you make people feel a different way emotionally because of what you do, and that's so cool. Like, dude, that's so cool. And so one of the things I always tell my linguistic students is a fundamental rule of doing linguistic science, but also it's life advice. Mm -hmm. Be curious, not judgmental. 
and you know that's from Whitman and I got it from Ted Lasso you know that show but I think it's great life philosophy because even as much as I consider myself like an open-minded and educated person you still find yourself like judging shit all the time Mm -hmm. but what if you just said like all right where is this coming from what's curious so that's how I try to approach things like I don't listen to death metal but I'm going to go to your show and try to feel where this is coming from and what it is what you're getting from it and you're explaining some of it to me now and it does make sense it's just something you like this confluence of different things that go nice together and you like it i don't know absolutely i'm I'm curious to see what what kind of emotion it'll bring in me because like you said i haven't tried it so and that's that's a really awesome environment too hey man i'll drink to that where's the where's the show at the aquarium oh okay yeah aquarium would be yeah that's the perfect place for it well with that i think we're probably going to wrap this episode up uh, Mr. Bart, do you want to promote anything? Do you have any closing wrapping things to ask me? No, just dpandemicradio.org is going out live on there in 15 minutes, which for listeners will probably have been, I don't know, a couple days ago. But yeah. it's it was posted on demand. Also, so to close out, what I've got is the lyrics that I've written for oh, a yeah. death metal song. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, the song is Okay, hold on, hold on. We'll, do, we'll make this into a bit, and okay, I think this will ahead. be great. So you read me these lyrics, and then... I'll I'll see, I'll see what okay what, what bruise yeah the song is called commensurate suffering okay here's the lyrics wait 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 the song is called <laughs> commensurate suffering here's the lyrics okay instantiated violence imminent demise imminent demise commensurate suffering commensurate suffering that's the whole lyric that's it you just do that over and over again. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling it. That could be a whole song. That's it. We got it. That's our song. All right. So Callum and I just started a band, and we're going to be called uh, The Art of Being There. Uh, first record coming out. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to go with September 2026, uh, featuring Callum Bard on guitar and vocals, and uh, me on guitar, bass, and vocals. It's going to be sick. <laughs> I'm down. It's going to have some slams, and we're going to use uh, a live treadmill as the base for it. So like I said, if you, gu- if you guys like anything that go- happens to be with Gorgatron, go to gorgatronband.com or s- type Gorgatron in any. There's the alarm. That means we got to order food now. And Perfect shit. timing. We wrapped at just the right time. Yeah. By the way, there's birds in the studio. That's if that's what. There's you're birds in the studio, and if if you hear them, great. If you don't, well, we're not making it up. <laughs> they're they're pet birds. They didn't just fly in. Even though that would be a good bit. That would have been awesome. That would have been so happen. sick. All right. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Absolutely, Carl. Yeah. Hope to come back again and slash another maybe PR slash uh, podcast combo where you try to sell me gorgatron and i try to sell you you too and then afterwards i will try to sell you on a 2007 toyota highlander <laughs>